You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So much leading us into the presence of God. My goodness. My goodness. I'm going to dismiss you in just a second. Just put your hands up towards heaven. Just put your hands up towards heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you reached down from heaven to touch every single heart. I thank you, Father God. Right now, I pray for healing. I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to heal some people this morning. He wants to heal your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Hurt and pain, disappointment. The Holy Spirit is here. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, I thank you. God, that you sent your son so that we could step into a relationship with you with boldness. God, that you love us. It's not about what we've done, but it's about what you have done for us. That we don't have to earn any single thing that because of what you did on that cross you give it to us freely for anyone who is in Christ Jesus you are a new creation behold the old is gone you are a new creation thank you Jesus he's healing hearts he's healing hearts thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. There's somebody here, you're, you've been praying for somebody. You've been praying for them to come home, to come back, to come back in alignment. God just wants you to know that he hears your prayer. He hears your prayer. He's working. He's doing his work. He's doing what only he can do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God. God, we give you this morning. We thank you, Father God. Do what only you can do. We thank you for it. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. Come on. You can have a seat. Good morning, band. You guys are epic. So amazing. Antonio, such a boss. Woo! So good, so good, so good, so good. Well, it's good to see all of your beautiful faces. Chase, I love you, Chase. Oh, my goodness. It's good to see you. Man, 2020 has been kind of intense, hasn't it? It's been, I was thinking about it. Like, if I could put one word to 2020, it would be intense. 
like, just sort of intense. So I wanted to do something this morning. I just want us to take a collective breath. Can we do that? Ready? Let's do it one more time. Ready? Yeah, okay. Ooh, it feels better. I got a little lightheaded. It's been intense, and uh, I, had, I had my wife look over my message this morning because I, I like to get her wisdom uh, on it, and she said, uh, yeah, that is intense. You're going to want to adjust that. <laughs> she said, people do not want to hear you yell at them all day. So... We're going to try our best to be loving. Because here's the reality, and I, and I want to preface this a little bit. This message is going to be a little bit intense, but you see, I think it was Pastor Leanne that talked about sometimes you got to go to the dentist, right? And the dentist is uncomfortable. You sit there with your mouth open. Ah. They peer in there, and they're like, oh, there's some holes in your teeth. Now, I went to the dentist, Dakota. I went there, I went to the dentist during quarantine. Now, I had been to the dentist two other times in my adult life. Yes. I went to the dentist in high school. No cavities. He said, you're all set. Then I went to the dentist again uh, in 2012. And the dentist said, when was the last time you went? That was about 10 years. And he said, well, if all my patients were like you, I would be out of a job. And the only reason I went to the dentist was because I was preaching in a youth service, and I tripped and bashed my tooth on the microphone, and it, chi- and it like, remember that? It's terrible. So then I went to the dentist again, and he said, yeah, you got six cavities. <laughs> But three of them weren't like cavities, cavities. They were cavities, I guess, but it was because I was grinding my teeth at night. So now I have a mouth guard that I have to sleep in. So Becca, yeah, it's very sexy. So Becca, Becca always knows whenever I take the mouth guard out, she's like, really? Too far? Too much? All right. But, but when we... <laughs> Anthony's like, I need some... You, want, you need some help? <laughs> Brand new married couple. Give it up for Anthony and Dakota. If you've not met this couple, they are absolutely phenomenal. I just love you so much. I just... Anthony's just so awesome, man. And you, you married up. I got to know Dakota. She's, she's awesome. She's so good. She's, give it up for these guys. Come on. What is this, your third week of marriage? Third week of marriage. Look at that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. So you go to the dentist, and, they, and, and they're like, oh, we've got some things here. So then they... They shoot you up with some Novocaine. That's what I've just done, giving you some Novocaine. <laughs> and then, 
get you laughing. <laughs> and then they start drilling. <laughs> like, why did I come here? This is terrible. I want to go home. I got, I got in right before they, like, closed. The dentist, like, closed. Becca was supposed to go in because she had some cavities as well. And so she went, she, she, like, she, like, went to, she went to the dentist, like, she had, like, she was sweating. She was like, I'm not ready to go. And she, and she went, and they just had a little sign on the door, closed because of uh, COVID. And she's like, you could have texted me or something. And then now she's just like, I'm never going back. That's a sign. I don't need, I don't need, I don't need that in my life. So. But there's some holes within the Christian church, and they need to get filled. There's some, there's some things that the American Christian church has just gotten a little bit out of alignment on. And, and, it's, and it's, it was, it's nobody's fault. And listen, I'm going I'm I'm to talk about it a little bit, but I was one of the worst perpetrators for, for a really long time. Because the, the, the thing that's happened in the American church is we care so much about how many people are in our church. I go to pastor stuff and, you know, oh, hey, Vince, how's it going? How many people are you in congregation now? Mm-hmm. It's like there's always this awkward conversation. I remember going to, to youth stuff. Oh, how many teenagers do you have? You know, and everyone's like, oh, well, one time we had 100 people come to an event. We had, we had, 100, we had 100 people at a youth event one time. We only had eight last week, but we had 100 one time. But what's happened is the American church has been so obsessed with the amount of people that are in the church. Now, listen, it's a good indicator. It's something we need to track. I'm not saying, like, you know, all the ushers are like, why do you make us count? (laughs) What was the number, John? I don't know. You said it didn't matter. It's, it's an indicator, it matters, but the problem is, is that if pastors and leaders are so obsessed with the amount of butts in the seats, that what happens is we begin to dilute the word of God, we stop preaching truth because we don't want to offend people, and then what happens is we've got a bunch of Christians that don't know their what from their face, you know what I'm saying? And we've got a whole generation of Christians who are out of alignment. And so we got to get back in alignment. And so we're going to, listen, I'm not so naive to think that in the next 36 minutes, we're all going to get back in alignment and the, you know, the American Christian church is going to get back in alignment. But I do want to give you some tools. I want to give you some, some resource. I want to help us here in this room see and be able to articulate better where we need to go, what we need to do, and where some of these holes are so that we can begin to repair and, and heal them so that we as the body of Christ can be more effective in the task that we're actually given to accomplish. Amen? Matthew 28. Matthew 28, starting in the 18th verse, I think that we've got it here on the screen. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have, I have given all authority in heaven 
and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all my commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. Teach these new disciples to obey all my commands, all the commands I have given you. You see, What's happened in the American Christian church is we have thought, we've got to go out and save souls. We've got to save souls. How many got saved, Anthony? How many people got saved at your church? How, how many, we've got to go save some souls. Let me just help us out, take some burden off. You never saved nobody. No church has ever saved somebody. No person has ever saved somebody. No preacher has ever saved somebody. The only person that saves anybody is the Holy Spirit. God is drawing his people to himself. The Holy Spirit is at work within the whole, all the earth, drawing people back to him, drawing people. Jesus died on the cross so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And the Holy Spirit is constantly revealing truth to every single soul. And guess what? He works on you. He works on you. He works on you. Scales fall off your eyes. You start to hear. You start to see. And he melts your heart. And boom. All of a sudden, you show up at church, at Awakened Church at 10 a.m., and you hear a word, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's for me, and you get saved. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. We're just a net. We're just a net. We got to know our place. We're a net. We got to make sure our nets don't have holes in them. We gotta make sure that our net is strong. We gotta make sure that our, we gotta equip our net. We gotta, but, and then what are we, so what are we really here to do? We're, we're the net, and then what? Because this is where we get in trouble. A lot of churches are like, oh yeah, we're the net. <laughs> I got a whole bunch. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> cute, cute little fish. <laughs> now what do we do? I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then this is what happens. They start to rot. They start to rot. They start to get nasty. Ever met a nasty Christian? Ugh. Man, nasty Christians. You're like, I don't think I'm a Christian. If that's what that is, I don't want that. Because we're supposed to make disciples. Jesus didn't say go into all the world and draw a crowd. Do some karaoke. Preach a message, see if they laugh. He says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. That's why at Awaken Church, we're so passionate about making disciples. We're about making disciples. And we're just going to get better at it and better at it and better at it until we have an entire city that's full of bold Christians who are declaring the word of God, who are in alignment with the word of God, who are operating in power and authority, because that's what we're called to do. We're called to make disciples. We haven't done a very good job, by and large. We just catch fish and let them rot. So, we gotta fix it. It's no problem. It's, it's okay. We have a problem. It's fine. We're gonna fix it. Right? Yeah. Get the wrench out. Get the drill out. Get the epoxy. It's gonna be all right. All right. The Bible says that 
We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're to teach the commandments of Jesus. So listen, what is discipleship? How, okay, we're supposed to make disciples. Okay, here's the problem. Making disciples, Jason, is not always easy. Why? Because when you have to tell somebody that they're not in alignment with the word of God and they've got to change some things, guess what they want to do? Oh, I don't want to change. The title of my message, I, should, I think I missed that part, but the title of my message this morning is Elephants, Donkeys, Lions, and Lambs. Elephants, donkeys, lions, and lambs. The church has decided that they were going to be a place where we're just going to focus on the lamb. We're just going to focus on the lamb. He's so cute and he loves you so much, John. We're not going to deal with the elephant in the room. Mm -mm. That might offend somebody. We're not going to deal with the donkey. The donkey. Right? I can't say that. I can't say donkey without saying donkey. I don't know why. <laughs> We're not going to deal with, with the hard stuff. We're not going to deal with the, the issues of, of today. We're going to let CNN do that. We're going to let the news do that. We're going to let Facebook and Twitter handle that. We're just going to focus on the lamb because if we can get people in front of the lamb, they're going to get... Forgiveness, but we forgot again, it's not our job to save people. It's our job to disciple people. And so, yes, we've got to preach the lamb, but we've also got to preach the lion. We've also got to realize that there needs to be some discipleship taking place. That we've got to say, hey, you're not in alignment with this idea. You're not in alignment with this thought. You're not in alignment, not with me. I'm not talking, I'm talking about the word of God. We've got to be a church that holds the line that says, hey, guess what? You've got to come in alignment with this. And that means that you might be on the dentist chair going, ah, you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we've got to get the word of God in our hearts. We've got to get our, the word of God. And it can't just be this fluffy, frou-frou, yeah, the, God loves you. He just loves you and you come as you are and you don't really need to change anything. You're, I don't want to offend you because if I offend you, then you might leave. This is, this is what I'm saying. Pastors have gone, well, I'm not going to talk about the elephant in the room because if I do, then my bag of fish might go away. Our job is not to focus on how many butts are in the seats. Our job is to disciple the ones who are here. We're to disciple the ones who are here. All right. I might even let you out early. Somebody on the chair said, thank the Lord. Get me out of here right now. There's a couple of, there's, there's several, and, and, and I'm just going to focus on two major points where we've got to really disciple better. Because I look at the, 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 the political scene right now, and I see where our country is heading, and it scares me. It scares me. And what scares me the most is that Christians, I believe, 
have completely missed the mark because we've been so focused just preaching love and acceptance and not addressing the elephant in the room that what's ended up happening is we don't know better. Well, if they said it on the news, I'll just believe that it's true. Okay. What happens is we care so much about the approval of men that we no longer care about the approval of the word of God. I'm sorry, but I'm going to hold some lines that are going to offend my neighbors. But if I'm going to offend somebody, it's going to be my neighbor, not God. First thing is identity. We've got to help people see who they are in Christ. This would solve, I believe, probably 75 to 80% of the world's issues. We have got to, see, yeah, listen, Michael, such a boss. If I come up to Michael and I'm just saying, hey, Michael, listen, God loves you, and he does never wants to challenge you. He never wants you to, to grow. He never wants you to be transformed. He doesn't really care. He just cares that you're here because he loves you. Ooh, sounds okay, not true. The truth is, Michael, that God loves you. He loves you just as you are, and he wants you to be transformed into who he's created you to be. He wants you to become a new creation, not just from death to life, but then from old way of thinking to new way of thinking, from, from yesterday to today to tomorrow, continuing to be transformed. Listen, I'm not done being transformed. The minute I, I'm done being transformed, y'all better find a different church. I need to continue to be transformed by his word, because guess what? Until I'm Jesus which I'm never going to be, just so you know. Someone's like, he's going to become Jesus? I'm out of here. <laughs> no. Do you hear what I'm saying? We're to always be growing, always being developed, always moving and getting closer and closer to having the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ. But first we've got to get our identity down. I believe and I'm not going to have you turn there, but I'm going to tell you at your awaken party, you can talk about it. When you go home tonight, you can read it. I believe that Romans 8 is probably my favorite chapter on identity. It's such a good chapter on identity. And guess what? It's not super cozy. It's talking about dealing with your sin. It's talking about getting in alignment with heaven. But yeah, it's also talking about understanding that God is your father, that he loves you. Abba, Father. It talks about how there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. It talks about how we are free from the old life and how now we're free to live a life in Christ. You see, I believe that when we get our identity correct in Christ, that's when the Christian starts to really take shape. That's when we start to kind of wiggle out of the net, if you will, and we start to kind of clean ourselves off a little bit. And because we're, now some people are pouring into us and investing in us and helping us see who we really are in Christ because we just had a whole lifetime of thinking that we're somebody else, this kind of, you know, always trying to earn, always trying to become, always trying to, to you know, I just want some love, I just want some acceptance. I just, we got a whole world of people 
who are so jacked up because they are searching for acceptance, love, searching for their identity everywhere else except for in Christ, and it's messing us up. It's messing us up. And so now we've got a, we've got a good ch- kids' church, by the way, really good kids' church. Um, we've got a whole generation of people who are so messed up in their identity, they don't even know what sex they are. You go to the bathroom and it's like, oh, you, whatever you are, you can go to this one. It's fine. Male, female, we don't discriminate. Go ahead. Why? Because they don't know who they are. They're searching for identity. And unfortunately, some of them have sat in our churches. And they're still walking around going, I identify as something that God did not make me. Why? Because they have lost their identity. They've never found their identity because we've only been preaching the lamb and it's time that we start also preaching the lion. You see, there is a wrath of God. There is sin and judgment. And if we don't help, see, listen to me, listen. It's the lion and the lamb. Truth in love. Truth in love. We've got a whole generation of people that thinks if I'm going to be loving, then I need to accept everybody, just as they are, well, they identify as a homosexual. Okay, well, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Well, Vince, that's very rude. You're saying that they're, you're, you're, you're challenging who they are. I'm reminding them of who they are. I'm reminding them of who they are. They are loved by the king of heaven that he made them wonderfully and perfectly, that he knit them together in their mother's womb, that he cares about who they are and wants to see them live a fruitful, abundant, free life. That's what our God wants. And so, no, listen, the, the, the problem with the American church is we've took one of two positions. Either we're going to scream at you, tell them you're going to hell, which <laughs> that hasn't worked, by the way. Oh, you're going to go to hell! And they go, screw you. Or we go, it's totally fine. God loves you anyways. Period. God loves you anyways, comma. But he loves you too much to keep you that way. Don't put a period there. Put a comma. we got to get this thing right. we got to deliver truth in love. Otherwise, what's happening? We got, we've got, listen, you look at the homosexual community, the LBG, 2YX, 2, whatever it is. You look at that whole thing. Listen, I'm not trying to be insensitive. You look at that thing. It is death and destruction. It is suicide. It is depression. They are messed up. Why? Because they're searching for identity, and the church is sitting on the sidelines not doing anything about it. We need to be lovingly bold, getting into their space and saying, God loves you so much that he sent me to tell you that he wants to see you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And guess what? Yes, it sometimes will get uncomfortable. Yes, it's not always easy. But we've got to step out. We've got to step in. And we've got to allow God to, be, to speak through us into these communities. We have to. All right. I just cut the church in half. That's okay. 
when we operate in our identity in Christ, what happens is we're stable. We're stable. We're no longer worried about what the person next to us is going to think. So now we can be who we are, truly are. They're telling me that I have five more minutes, so... When we have our identity established in Christ, then now it doesn't matter what anybody else says. The only thing that matters is what our Father in heaven says because we're established and we're rooted in heaven. Now we can be free to be who God has called us to be. Not only that, but when, we are, when, our, when, our, when, when our identity is established in Christ, now, we have boldness and authority. I can always tell where someone is on their journey of understanding who they are in Christ by the way they pray. Someone who's established their identity in Christ prays with boldness and authority because they understand that they are in Christ Jesus, that they have been given righteousness by Jesus Christ. And so now they can come boldly into the throne room of heaven and they can begin to speak and declare and, and, and expect that when they pray, something changes. Versus somebody who prays and prays like this. God, it wouldn't be too much trouble if you could maybe listen to me. I need help. It's a good place to start. Crying out to God, there's no shame in that. But he wants to bring you and he wants to establish you and he wants you to understand that he paid for your sin, not just so that you would have a place in the kingdom, but that you would be established in royalty as his son and his daughter in Christ Jesus. And so now every good and perfect thing that comes from heaven is yours, you have it. We need the church to understand who they are in Christ Jesus and then go boldly declaring and establishing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. It's the lion and the lamb. It's truth and love. Don't you dare go around screaming at people telling them they're going to hell. If you do, do not say that you're from our church. That's not the thing. But we gotta have a backbone. We got an entire generation that is begging to see somebody walk this thing out the way that the Bible actually says to walk it out. I'm trying to decide if I'm gonna finish this thing. Okay. Becca says, do it. Is this okay, honey? I was, she was so worried. Because the American church has not discipled well, Isaiah chapter 520 currently is our story. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. The dark is light and light is dark. That bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. 
truth has just begun. What is even truth? You break down what truth is to just your own personal truth. Now you have nothing solid to stand on. Jesus luckily said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. But because we haven't had hard conversations in discipleship, because we haven't had moments where we bring people in and we begin to lovingly challenge, we begin to lovingly begin to speak truth, because we ourselves haven't allowed our own thoughts and our own ideas and beliefs to come into alignment with the Word of God, we have a generation of people that call good evil and evil good. And it's breaking down the fabric of our culture. We gotta get back in alignment. The second thing that we've gotta understand First, our identity. Our identity and help others see their identity in Christ. The second is life. Listen, from Genesis to Revelation, God is the author of life. He gives life. He speaks life. Genesis, he comes up to Adam and he breathes the breath of life and Adam comes to life. Jesus says, I came to give life and life more abundant. The problem is, church, is that the enemy is very, very real. And just as Jesus says, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Matthew 7, verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. Listen to me, church. I understand. I understand. I don't want to vote because they're all a bunch of liars anyways. I don't want to vote because, you know what, none of them can be trusted. They're all just dirty politicians. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. You can pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. It did not say you can identify people by their words. 
Words are important. We need to be careful with our words. I need to be careful with my words. I can point to a lot of people that I can say, you should not have said that. You shouldn't have said that, John. It offended me. He said, did you get those shoes in the kids section? It was very offensive. I said, yes. We gotta look at the fruit of people's lives. What's the fruit? Our God is a God of life. In heaven, heaven is eternal life. Eternal life. In 2017, there were 862,320 babies killed in America. Just under a million. I don't even know what the numbers in 2018 and 19 were, but this was just a very quick Google search so someone can fact check me. It's a lot. 2017, 2,990 babies aborted in Utah. In Utah. In our backyard. This is a problem. This is a problem. Our job is not to condemn. Our job is to represent our God who's the God of life. Matthew 5, verse 14 says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hill top that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Listen, church, we're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. Listen, church, the light needs to shine. And guess what? The world is dark. The world is confused. The world has been discipled, just not by the Word of God. And we are to live in alignment with His Word, and we are to shine our light before men. We are to shine our light. And guess what? There might be people that say, oh, that hurts my eyes. And then that's what we wrap them. We give them a big hug. We don't slap them in the face with a Bible. Well, we give them a big hug, and we bring them in, and we say, God loves you. And then we begin to teach, and we begin to empower, and we begin to show them that the Word of God should transform the way they think, the way they act, the way they do life. We're the light of the world. Here's the problem. Every time we compromise, every time we get afraid that we're going to lose somebody, every time we get afraid that we might offend somebody, guess what happens? Our light gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And all of a sudden, we're out here holding our flashlight that doesn't have any batteries in it, screaming at a world, talking about light, and they're going, what are you talking about? You're no different than me. We got to wake up. We got to wake up. 
Discipleship is not easy. I like the way that Jesus did it. He grabbed his pals. He grabbed 12 of them. One of them he knew. He was just going to stab him in the back. But he didn't even care. He's like, come with me anyways. Let's go. He spent time. He hung out. He ate. He partied. He equipped him. Peter was just like the worst, right? Peter's always saying the dumbest stuff. And what did Jesus do? Oh, Pete, <laughs> you're so silly. We'll talk about that later. Oops, no, that's not actually what he said. He said, get behind me, Satan. Do you remember when I said that to you, honey? Guess what? I didn't say that. You know why? Because I'm standing here today. If I did, I would not be here. You don't, you don't call someone Satan. It's so jacked up. It's not, that's not warm and cozy. That's not patty cake Jesus that we like to imagine. He says, get behind me, Satan. Peter's like, oh. John, he just called me Satan. John's like, yeah, he loves me so much. He obviously, <laughs> he just keeps you around because I don't, I don't know why. Discipleship means calling each other out. Now listen, we talk about not being offended. Listen, you're going to get offended. The Bible is offensive. Your campus pastor is offensive. Aren't I? Yeah. Sounds like, yeah, you're very offensive. I'm not perfect. Becca's not perfect. The porters are pretty close, but we're going to get offended. But guess what? In discipleship, in discipleship, Instead of leaving when we're offended, we come in and we say, hey, hurt. I've had some great people, some people who I love dearly come to me and said, we're hurt. And guess what? We get to talk about it. We get to work through it. We get to, we get to understand in each other and we get to heal. This is what we're to do. This is discipleship. This is, this is, what we're, this is where we're missing the mark. Because if all we do is just teach the patty cake lamb Jesus and never talk about the lamb and, and never talk about the lion or never really address real issues, then guess what? We've just got a bunch of fickle snowflake Christians church hopping from here to there, hoping that they feel good and they're not offended and we're not growing the kingdom the way that we're called to grow the kingdom. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. So, I'm done. I love you guys. I love you so much. When we get this right, when we get this right, voting won't be a big thing anymore. It won't be a big thing anymore. So we'll have a bunch of Christians all across our nation who have been making disciples, who have been getting in alignment 
with the word of God. And it won't matter. It won't matter what party they choose. It won't matter who, none of that will matter because there will be such an overwhelming majority of people who vote this. It won't matter if they're elephants, donkeys, camels. It won't matter because we'll be voting in alignment with the word of God. That's all we're to do. Five of you are like, yeah. It's bigger than voting. It's about living. Living in alignment with the word of God. Understanding our identity in Christ Jesus. Stand up. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Put your hands towards heaven. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for each and every person in this room. God, I thank you, Father God. Right now, I pray that if any of us are offended, are hurt, are wounded, Lord, I pray that you would bring healing ointment right now onto their heart, onto their mind. Lord, I thank you, God. I thank you, Jesus. Our job is not to have all the answers, to have it figured out. Our job is to simply come before our Father in heaven, lay our heart before him, and let him work on us. And so right now I pray that you would heal hearts, heal minds. Father, I pray that you'd restore relationships. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that you're mending relationships that have been hurt and strained over offense. Lord, I thank you, God, that you're bringing your people under into alignment with your word again. Lord, I thank you for awakened church, that we are a church that will fight to we will fight to come in alignment with what, what your word says. That we're not too afraid. That we're not worried. That we know that if you said it, we believe it simply. Lord, I thank you, Father. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenchurch.com.